Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright. Very pleased you're with us today. It's September 16, 2016, and we'd like to welcome as a guest for the very first time, Michael Steuben, founder and president of Summit Real Estate Advisory Services. He speaks to us from their offices in Phoenix, Arizona. Michael, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. Glad to be joining you today. So, Mike, you are an attorney a CPA with an MBA, University of Arizona, and you've been inv- you advise investors in commercial real estate endeavors, and you primarily focus on non-listed REITs and business development companies. Is that fairly accurate? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so give us a brief history of your background, will you? Yeah, I mean, after graduating from school, I went directly into commercial real estate consulting with Ernst & Young. Spent four years in the home building industry as a CFO in the Phoenix area. I timed my exit with the housing implosion that many of you in any, a lot of parts of the country are familiar with. Then I worked for a commercial real estate sponsor that sponsored non-listed REITs. I was a manager for two of their multi-billion dollar funds, and I just saw a need while I was there for third-party research on non-listed REITs and then later non-listed BDC. So I started a company, MTS Research. That lasted about four years, was sold. Um, and then since then, I parted with the company that acquired it and have restarted uh, a research firm with Summit Investment Research. Okay, so what does uh, Summit Investment Research do for whom? Yeah, we focus on providing analytical research reports, primarily for financial advisors, as well as registered investment advisors and broker-dealers that invest in non-listed REITs and non-listed BDCs. And we really focus uh, on helping them understand risk and return. Um, There's not a lot of transparency with these products, and we just provide the tools to help advisors make more informed investment decisions. So your clients are typically who? Your clients obviously are some advisors. Are they the product sponsors and developers also? Yeah, we'll have some product sponsors that that subscribe to the research so they can understand um, how their products are being evaluated. A lot of them will use them to look at their competition. But our reports are tailored towards financial advisors and how, um, from my years of experience traveling and meeting with advisors, how they should look at these products and understand and assess risks and make decisions. So do you focus on non on all non-traded REITs and create a little a report for each one, or do you create a report when someone requests it and pays for it? Yeah, we'll do a, a quarterly report on all non-listed REITs that publicly report their financials. There are some private REITs that don't publicly report, but any uh, non-listed REIT that publicly files their quarterly financials at the SEC are ones that we cover uh, on a quarterly basis. Um, everything we do is online, so a financial advisor that subscribes can go in. Typically, they're only going to be using six to ten potentially non-listed REITs, or at least evaluating those uh, among the 70-plus that we cover. So it, it allows them to tailor what they're looking at, um, and also we provide uh, market-level research. So not only looking at particular REITs, but understanding what's happening with the retail market, office market, industrial market, and so forth. 
Okay, and so there are about how many companies that you follow uh, or, or projects that you follow at this point? Currently, it's the 71 non-listed REITs, 19 non-listed BDCs. We also cover about 16 listed REITs uh, that were primarily non-listed REITs that went public or listed REITs that acquired a large non-listed REIT, and they don't typically have a lot of analyst coverage in their early life as a traded entity, so we cover those. And then also we cover nine uh, real estate interval funds. I was just going to ask about interval funds. They're becoming more and more popular. So when you say you cover them, do you write one paragraph for each one, or do you write you know uh, a page for each one? What what kind of uh, how deep do you go here? Yeah, with the uh, for example, with the non-listed REITs, our report has two pages of analysis. One is we call it our dashboard that looks at key metrics, um, distribution rates, historical coverage rates fee structures, just a lot of high-level look at the non-listed read. Then we have what we call our risk analysis, which looks at key those key metrics over time and benchmarks them against their peers and provides our insight into the level of risk that you're dealing with with a particular non-listed read. Uh, you know, I would think that advisors who focus on that marketplace would flock to this. Uh, how long have you been offering it? Yeah, we just started... Um, actually marketing it um, for sale the, with Southern Investment Research late spring, uh, May and June. Yeah, it's something in my experience that, that a lot of financial advisors don't have resources aren't or aren't familiar with resources, so they're kind of using a mix of gut instinct and what they're hearing from other people or what is selling the most and not taking the kind of a thoughtful approach to what are really complex, high-risk investments that you need to understand thoroughly. Yeah. Now, uh, tell us, do you do this only for those that are open, that are raising money, or do you also include those that are closed uh, to new money? Yeah, we'll cover, we also cover those that are closed just so that um, a financial advisor can monitor the performance, um, look at trends over time. And then as they get further in their life cycle, we provide added insights into what we expect kind of a from a total return standpoint and give them those kind of, that kind of insight. You know, uh, I've attended a couple of ADISA conferences, Mike, and uh, I haven't seen anybody exhibiting at those conferences or heard of anyone who does this kind of uh, in-depth analysis for uh, the, these uh, non-traded REITs here. Uh, I would presume you have uh, very little competition. Yeah, there's. I mean, one of the interesting things with this space, if in comparison to listed REITs, an established listed REIT is going to have 20-plus analysts covering it. In this space, you really we're the only ones that I would consider an analyst covering the space. There are a couple other companies that do compile data and do a one-page snapshot of information. So you really don't have a lot of transparency uh, in this space, and it's something the sponsors aren't used to a lot of them are reluctant to support it and so it's it's a it's an uphill battle getting a kind of a broader audience for this research to help advisors better understand the products and that was my next question uh, how has this been met uh by uh by the the product sponsors yeah and for me this is kind of the iteration 2.0 because i had done it before and what i find is half the sponsors are supportive and see the value of greater transparency and the other half don't want any part of it. They don't want a, kind of a spotlight on the performance of their REIT that could hurt their fundraising. 
And so it's just a very interesting and unique uh, situation. And I really feel for the advisors, and that was part of what precipitated me creating MTS years ago when I saw a lot of these REITs fail. A lot of advisors were kind of like, how did this happen? I'm like, well, did you do anything to look at their leverage ratio or the level of risk? And there wasn't a way to do it, and a lot were hurt because of it. And that's the genesis of why I started it, to help them understand these risks. So uh, we all know, Mike, that these uh, these non-traded REITs have been raising funds lately that are a fraction of what they had raised uh, just a couple of years ago. Uh, to what do you attribute that? Yeah, non-listed REITs uh, are, have really had seen a downfall from 2013, and they're even lower. I, I was... At Cole, the product sponsor from 2007 to 11, they hit fundraising hit a low point in 09 at six billion, and this year is projected maybe at four billion. So it's significantly lower than anything they've seen in the last 16 years. Um, part there, I think there are two major things that I see. One, the regulatory environment with FINRA 1502 requiring greater transparency and disclosure of the underlying value on the client statements that's a huge been a huge factor the second biggest is the largest sponsor in the space is out of the market and it variety of fraud charges and other things that force them to leave the market so you had the biggest player that was 60 percent of the market exit yeah and and what kind of impact do you see these new regulatory requirements uh uh, what kind of impact do you see that occurring over the next uh, couple of years uh, to that to that marketplace? Yeah, the, the short term has been the, the the decline in fundraising. It's something similar back in '09 when Finra implemented their first stage of you need to report valuations for these products that never had any disclosure or transparency on underlying value. Uh, that was a severe impact uh, seven years ago, and so we're seeing that same immediacy. But now we're starting to see. Sponsors adapt with modified commission structures, which will help uh, get more in the ground immediately, but hasn't really been a big push to fee reduction. Um, But we've seen recently with a large sponsor reducing it, eliminating the real estate acquisition fees, which is significant, and then a significant new player entering the market that has reduced their fees and has one of the lowest fee structures available. So those are positive trends due to the, the regulations. You know, that reminds me, years ago, I went to a presentation by one of these non-traded REITs, and the uh, the CEO stood and said, uh, she said, remember, for every dollar that we raise, we can only invest 85 cents because we have upfront costs that are 15%. And yeah, that, that was pretty <laughs> accurate across the board. Yeah. So uh, there have been significant issues with those. You know, hold that right there, Mike. This is very, very interesting, and you have a very unique service here we want to get back to. We need to take a short break. Again, we're talking with Michael Stubbin, uh, founder and president of Summit Real Estate Advisory Services out of Phoenix, Arizona. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. 
So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're having a very interesting conversation with Michael Steuben, founder and president of Summit Real Estate Advisory Services. Uh, so, Michael, let's uh, change our focus a little bit here and go to business development companies, BDCs. You said that uh, you focus, uh, you report on about 19 of them. Was that correct? Yeah. Now, there are uh, over 50 BDCs these days. We've had a plethora of them show up the last few years. Uh, I remember uh, first looking at BDCs back in uh, about 2007, and there were a half a dozen of them. Uh, do you focus only on you know, BDCs typically have been invested kind of like private equity where they make loans to these small companies. Are those the ones you're focusing on or are you looking at ones that are particularly focused on real estate? No, we're, we look at those that are structured as non-listed BDCs with public reporting, similar to the structure of a non-listed REIT. And the ones we look at almost, I think there's only one of them that does real estate lending. So it's just kind of a similar structure sold through the same independent broker-dealer channel to financial advisors. Okay. And why are they non-listed if they're BDCs? Um, It's just a structure that allows them to avoid kind of the correlation with the broader market. There are quite a few listed BDCs, but those aren't something that we cover. So we look at the ones that have the non-listed structure that is designed to provide more stable returns. But like the non-listed REITs, you have less transparency and and less understanding of the underlying performance. Okay, and tell us a little about the interval funds. That's fairly new. Uh, Many of our listeners may not be familiar with them. Yeah, the ones we focus on in this area are uh, real estate focused. They're closed-end management funds that typically the sponsor... A sponsor or an affiliate or a third party is an, a passive manager that invests in either private equity funds, uh, real, private equity real estate funds, listed REITs, and some will even do non-listed REITs. And so these are new to the space, and they haven't really had – they're just starting to get some traction in the market with uh, about four or five sponsors leading the fundraising. So we've had new regulations, that we've, as uh, we mentioned before the break – uh, that have come along uh, requiring reporting. In addition, some of those new regulations apply to marketing, and they have gone the other end. They may, they are looser and make it uh, easier for many of these non-traded REITs and others to market their services. So how do you see regulation playing a role over the coming years? Is it going to expand the industry or contract? Um, I, I think that... Initially, as you get a new regulation, uh, I think it creates uncertainty in a market. That's been a contraction. I, and I think it's funny you mentioned the, the loosened marketing standards because I listened to the Dan Patrick show, and I've heard a sponsor does a 30-second ad with a disclaimer they paid less than $2,000 for these non-listed real estate products on a public airway, which I'd never heard before. So yeah, that that's right. That transition. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, we're, we're probably going to see some, some changes there. So uh, tell us a little about this industry. Uh, you know, people, it's difficult to get information on it. Uh, some of the product sponsors are not excited about you shining a light uh, on them, highlighting uh, what they do and what, they, uh, what, what they're all about. Uh, but are there still good investments that can be had in this space? Yeah, I think there there are good investments, but it, they fit into a certain kind of an asset class. You're looking at non-listed REITs as non-correlated assets. You're primarily looking for income-driven investments um, with some appreciation in the right market. But the returns, if you were to compare to listed REITs, they're going to be a little bit lower on an annual basis but lack the volatility that you see with, from a listed REIT standpoint. So it really, to me, it seems a lot of the advisors I talk to, these fit into an income component uh, of an investor's portfolio, and they, they serve that purpose. And, of course, that makes sense in such a low-income, uh, low-yield, fixed-income environment. People are looking for any yields over 2 or 3%. And um, so those that can provide that, they, they, you know, people are going to be interested in that here. So um, a question we like to ask, Mike, is uh, what keeps you awake at night? Well, aside from my son's driving, uh, which I don't think relates to this topic, or my daughter dating in a few years. Um, those but we can relate. Both. We can relate to both of those here. <laughs> but when I look at the, the industry, on the REIT side, there's not a lot of concern for me because they've been through a downturn. They're a little more conservative with their investment and financing risk, but there are some out there that take on excessive financing risk, and that concerns me. On the BDC side, the challenge for the anomalous BDCs, they've never been through a downturn. And so when you have a recession and you start to see the credit risk rise and defaults hit, how that impacts this space, I don't know. In my consulting days, I did a bankruptcy for a large middle market lender. It took a 5% default rate, and they had to liquidate everything. So that on the BDC side is really more concerning just because we haven't seen it go through a downturn in the economy. Yeah, and that's a concern, I think, for everybody uh, with BDCs. They have not faced a downturn, and we just don't know what's going to happen here. And we haven't had credit risk issues over the past many years. And uh, so we just don't know how how investments that are focused on that are are going to do. Another question we always like to ask people who are talking to us about real estate. Investment rates are going, uh, interest rates are going to rise. We know that. Uh, We've been saying that for some time, and they haven't risen yet, but they are going to rise. And so somebody who's looking at a longer-term investment of at least 10 years, something like that, okay, how do you see that impacting these kinds of real estate investments, and are these product sponsors building those building that that fact in to their projects? Yeah, that, I mean that's a great question. That's something as I go out and present and talk about it. We've been talking about rising interest rates for years, and nothing's moved yet. And I used to say years ago, once the election's over, that's when rates will go up. That was a cynic in me, but I think that's going to be the reality. Um, but it will have an impact because as you're in a current environment where borrowing costs are very low, the initial yields on commercial real estate are very low, but you still have a reasonable spread. So investors, primarily institutions, keep investing in commercial real estate because of the underlying health of the U.S. economy. 
But when interest rates go up, that spread goes away. There's going to be a transition in the market. Buyers will pull out. Prices will have to adjust. And so there will be a period of time where the yields will be even lower than they are today because there isn't debt to leverage that those investments, something we saw a more extreme case back in 2009 uh, in, with commercial real estate. So there will be a transition period. Historically, commercial real estate performs well when you have a strong economy. It struggles when you have a downturn like a lot of investments do. So I think you will see a moderate transition, but long-term, the commercial real estate fundamentals are, are sound, nothing like we saw in 07 or in the even in the 90s with the savings and loans. So I think you're positioned for good long-term returns, but there will be a period of the next couple of years where returns will be more moderate. You know, we appreciate your honest answer. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone that we have interviewed, uh, <laughs> well, most of them were more positive about uh, real estate in the future here. And, and the last question we'd like to ask our guests here, Mike, is uh, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Well, as a real estate guy, I don't read a lot on investing, but it works well because I'm currently reading one um, called Charlie Munger, The Complete Investor. And to me, it's been fascinating because as a long-term partner with Warren Buffett, they have a very thoughtful approach to investing that requires a lot of research and knowledge and insight and then a lot of analytics. And it ties well with this industry, the non-listed REITs and BDCs. This is something that's greatly needed by any advisor using these products, and it's something that I don't really see readily done. But it's been interesting to get that insight into a long-term partner, Warren Buffett. You know, Mike, that's very interesting. I am currently reading that book. I am. I'm probably about halfway through. And uh, Charlie Munger is certainly a person who uh, does not lack for opinions or uh, ways to curtly and succinctly and cogently state those opinions, if not at times rudely. And uh, it's it's very interesting to see the kinds of things that he has said over the years. Figuring out how to apply them is not all that easy. But certainly, uh, as Warren Buffett's partner, his success cannot be questioned, and it is an interesting book. So, uh, Mike, give us your website, will you, for those who would like to learn more. Yeah, our website is just summit-ir.com. And spell summit for us, will you? S-U-M-M-I-T, then dash or hyphen, I-R dot com. Okay, summit-I-R dot com. Thank you, Mike. So, Mike, final words for our listeners. Well, Charlie, thank you for your time today. You know, for me, what we do is is driven by something I saw as a need, and we look at it as a way to help advisors and protect their clients. So it's hopefully something that, you know, advisors, as they're looking at this space or continue to invest, see can see the value of having better insight, better knowledge, and making better investments for their clients. Mike, thank you very much, and we really appreciate you coming on Strategic Investor Radio today. Well, thank you, Charlie. So again, we've been talking with Michael Steuben, founder and president of Summit Real Estate Advisory Services out of Phoenix, Arizona. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor. 
your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science.